Welcome to episode 125. Today we are joined by two women who've been on the podcast before and we're really excited to have them again, Anna Sweeney and Akia Red. Anna Sweeney is a certified eating disorder registered dietitian. She is certified, a certified intuitive eating specialist and the owner of Whole Life Nutrition Counseling. And we're also joined by Akia Red. Akia is an author, she's a mental health advocate, and the founder of the Real Girls Foundation. She has made mental health her mission, and it's a passion of hers. So we hope that you enjoy the episode. Welcome to season four of the Myelin and Melanin podcast. I'm Dawn. And I'm Dana. We are two Black women sharing our musings on life, MS, and everything in between. You can find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. Also, don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube. Hi, Akia and Anna. Welcome, welcome back. We are so happy to have you. Happy to be here. So excited <laughs> for today's conversation. Thank you, guys. Gals. You. Yeah, gals. <laughs> <laughs> so, Akia, the last time you were on with us, we offline, we started talking about body image and um, I guess just how we form various narratives about eating and what our body type should be and how we feel about ourselves. Um, And you started to talk about how you had experienced some issues with an eating disorder. Would you um, tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. Um, First off, thank you guys again for having me back on. I really enjoyed our conversation the last time. Um, And you guys made good on your promise to have me back. So I am very happy to be talking about this today because it's necessary. Um, I started having issues with um, food and body image at the age of 12. I had um, a conversation with my father um, and mother um, where my dad thought that I was eating a little bit too much and um, felt that I was gaining too much weight at the age of 12. So he had my mom watch what I was eating and put me on a diet. And um, right then um, I learned pretty quickly that being um, quote unquote fat or in a larger body was not something that was gonna be accepted in my family. And um, you know, just as a side note, I grew up in a house of chronic dieters, um, crash dieters, cleanses, never really just like movement or exercise, but more so just, you know, basically restrict, um, cleanse, all those types of things. So I started, you know, restricting food and stopped eating altogether. And by the time I was um, in eighth grade, 13 or, or 14, I had lost a lot of weight. Um, 
and I started liking um, the way that my body looked when like my stomach was kind of caved in mm-hmm. and I liked the fact that you could kind of like see my clavicle um, bone at my neck and um, so for me that was something that was um, a telltale sign that I was thin enough and mm-hmm. so I became obsessed with doing hundreds upon hundreds of crunches every day. Um, and I talked to my mom into getting me a gym membership at the age of 14. And I would work out every day for an hour and a half, as well as come home and do crazy amounts of sit-ups and crunches um, in my bedroom. And it ultimately just became a way for me to control my anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. because in my family, you know, it was very tumultuous relationship between my parents. And so the one thing that I could control was my food, my body, what my body looked like. And then on top of that, just trying to, I think, fit into or please um, my father. Um, and I, I thought because he was really the first man that I ever, you know, had any kind of interaction with that what he said basically was the golden standard for what mm-hmm. beauty was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, fast forward to today where I'm 40 years old, I've just been in eating disorder recovery for the last couple of years. Um, I've been yo-yo dieting, um, you know, up until that point and um, restricting and was, it took me a long time to even get the proper diagnosis um, because once I started to get help and then I stopped restricting two years ago my weight went up and um, it was above the average BMI that you know I'm supposed to be you know at five four or whatever according to the doctor and so um, people the doctors would look at my weight and they would say because I am considered quote-unquote overweight that I must be bulimic or, and I must be binging and eating too Mm. much. And that was the assumption. Um, No one ever took the time to ask if I was eating enough. It was always just the assumption of what, that I was eating too much. And Mm. I can honestly say that I've never binged a day in my life. Um, I've only restricted and purged. Um, And even now to this day, even while in recovery, I still get extreme anxiety when I go to the doctor um, because when I tell them that I don't want to be weighed or, you know, not to make mention of my weight, um, you know, they sometimes will do it anyway and talk to me about losing weight and um, they have no idea that I'm living healthy. I'm moving every day. I'm, you know, not restricting. I'm not binging. I'm not doing anything. I'm really just living a very balanced life. And this is the weight that I am. And Mm -hmm. they are trying to put me right back into restriction so that I could meet the the chart. And so that's where I am today, um, which is why I started speaking out about um, mental health as far as eating disorders and how it's hard for Black women 
to even receive a correct diagnosis or to even be believed uh, when they go to the doctor because of the structure of our body. Wow. Yeah, thank you. Um, I guess my question is, do do you feel like your disorder as it progressed, do you think it was more anxiety based or just a control issue? Um, I think it was anxiety based solely because, um, and I mean, I guess I could say it was a little bit of both, right? Because anxiety is a lot about like the fear of losing control. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that there was like a combination of both in there. Um, but I would say primarily, um, I was just afraid to be a disappointment to my dad. And I was afraid to be unattractive mm. because I didn't think that, honestly, people just made so much over my external um, mm-hmm. attributes and not a whole lot about like what I had to offer as a woman like internally my character and so everything that I was ever told or taught or corrected on was always about the way things appeared externally so I received yeah. messages very early on that that was something that needed to be on point no matter how messed up your internal was right and so I think that that was kind of what maybe sent me into overdrive and then I just got because of the anxiety disorder, I just got kind of obsessive and compulsive about it, um, which is pretty easy for people to do if they have an anxiety disorder already. Um, I just started just obsessing about my weight and my stomach and just had all of these internal like benchmarks that I would try to meet. And if, yeah, so I, I think it just was a little bit of both, but I think it definitely started with anxiety of disappointing my dad and being unattractive. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I just want to say, I, I really appreciate you uh, so clearly and poignantly sharing your story and talking about the ways that the healthcare system is one, just super fucked. Um, yeah. And two, and I hope it's okay that I just said that. But it, oh yeah yes and so so very oppressive um particularly in the context of assisting humans and actually getting appropriate diagnoses for eating disorders the gross misunderstanding of what eating disorders are what they look like as though there is one specific look reliance on BMI as a metric of anything is just vile. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's not, it's not going anywhere, which is one of the reasons that I'm not going anywhere either, but I think you are a thousand percent, right. That it matters to hear really poignant stories about you know, not, not getting the appropriate care and what might have happened had you been able to speak about, um, you know, the need to be small, um, at, at a much younger, at a much younger age. Um, so you wouldn't be 
this age and have several years of recovery under your belt, but in, instead maybe like decades of recovery under your belt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. I have to tell you all these fitness apps, I think are really, really toxic. Have you all oh, ever God. taken a look at them? And I want to ask you, Anna, about this meme that you had posted a, um, a little while ago, but I was looking at some fitness apps and I was like, okay, I'm interested in caloric intake and, you know, increasing that. And so just reading through it and skimming through the different stages that they take you to until you, you know, officially sign up. I'm like, oh my God, if I, if, if my head wasn't like on kind of straight, at least it is, I think it is a little bit, I would be (laughs) totally screwed. I'd be fucked up basically. You know, I wouldn't, I would throw the app away. I would throw the phone. I would sit and cry. I would feel like, you know, I'm not worthy of even existing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) And I have a lot of feelings about those apps in that they are worth garbage. Um, And there is such a gift in being able to say, I would throw my phone versus like my entire life would be dedicated to Mm complying with staying in the green or heaven forbid going into some red category everything all of those technology devices the watches that tell you if you've gotten enough activity in a given day the diet protocols that are about outsourcing your body wisdom this is this is what the wellness industry is looking to do it wants us to not trust ourselves it wants us to you know, trust someone or the ability to count up numbers, um, Mm -hmm. between you and me from one MS gal to another, just like have scoops of peanut butter. If you need more calories, don't, don't worry about counting that stuff. That just sounds so unpleasant. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. You know, can you speak to the meme that you had posted about the outsourcing, what you just mentioned? Um, the outsourcing of body wisdom is the goal of wellness culture. Where does this whole idea come from? Where, where is this notion that the, the perfect body or the perfect image exists? So I think, unfortunately, the image is everywhere. And actually, I remember the first time we spoke, we talked about this. Um, we are bombarded with imagery on, on all sorts of social media um, outlets that suggest that there is one way to have a body and increasingly it is it it is such a it is a bizarre appropriation of components of what like historically black bodies look like and like place those specific features on everyone so if everybody's looking to have like this booty situation or have Mm-hmm. Um, l- like collagen filled lips. Um, there's mm-hmm. a very, very specific, um, image that we are all being bombarded with over and over and over again. Um, and the really interesting thing is like, aesthetically, this image was not the image that we were looking at a decade ago, nowhere close. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so what I am seeing in, you know, the wellness under the kind of quote wellness industry um, 
it's just this idea that if we were to listen to our bodies, if we were to lean in to our own body's wisdom, that we would be out of control, that something terrible would befall us, that we wouldn't Mm -hmm. look the way that we are quote supposed to look, um, or wouldn't be able to be as happy as we could otherwise. There is a 71 plus billion dollar diet industry in the States alone. And a lot of that money, this is kind of uncounted money is the part of the industry that goes from Anna saying something to a K Akea, like sharing, like this worked for me, this could work for you. Like, why aren't you, you know, so this is like now word of mouth messaging that we're not, um, we're not even counting in that $71 billion industry. Um, Mm -hmm. Somebody made something up someplace sometime and is taking all of us to the bank. Uh, And if we're able to really look at it as an industry that wants us to feel like there are things that we could do to make ourselves healthier, wealthier, thinner, whatever. Um, and it would work for everybody. And then we would all be happy. Gosh, I have so much compassion and I totally appreciate humans that are, you know, wanting to change their, change their lives in, in the name of health promotion, but nothing about the wellness industry is actually about promoting well, about promoting wellness. It's about creating wealth for the people who are selling what is being sold. Yes. I think the problem in families is that they focus on the, the body type, like in your family, Akia, you know, your, your parents were saying, oh, you're eating too much or what have you, instead of focusing on what you're eating and, and, that's making you healthy. You know what I mean? What's yeah. making you strong? And also you were <laughs> right. an adolescent. Your body was supposed to change. Yes. Yeah. That, yes. that happened on right. purpose. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, it, it like, <laughs> when I think about it now, it ultimately makes me really nauseous because I think about how my daughter is just two years younger than I was when I started to be objectified sexually, you know, um, by my own father, you know, when you tell a 12 year old, like, you know, your body needs to look like this and your body needs to look like that and stand up, turn around, let me see. Oh, you need to, you know, you've got, you know, a flat butt and you need to, you are Mm -hmm. like feeding your, your daughter, all of these negative thoughts about herself and about her body. And like, I would never, I don't even think honestly that if that, like, let's just say that that wouldn't have happened to me. I don't believe that I would have ever even like done that to my child. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because I think that when you do that to a child so young, you are objectifying them and you are playing into this misogynist, you know, kind of thing where women are needing to be, you know, viewed as sexual objects and beings. And I don't want my daughter to grow up like that. Like, I want her to to be okay, no matter what size she is, as long as she's healthy. Um, and I want her to be okay, like taking up whatever space she needs to take up mm. in the world. 
Yes. In every way, yeah. right? Like not just body, but like, you know, if she has a louder voice, if she's a little bit more assertive, like however mm-hmm. she takes up space, like I want her to feel comfortable in that skin. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, you know, I, it's really sad that it happens over and over again, um, you know, in households and it makes me cringe. Actually, I was on, so last week, I'll just share with you guys. Mm-hmm. I was on Instagram. Or actually, I had gone to the doctor um, for migraines. And so, you know, he was actually one of the first doctors ever that had, you know, decided not to put me on a um, preventative medication because he didn't want to mess around with my weight. He didn't want it to go up or down. Um, And so he just said, okay, let's stick to this protocol and see if it works. And that was, I was really grateful and so much so that it brought tears in my eyes and I told him, thank you. But even though I didn't want to know my weight, when I checked out, they had my weight on the front of the paper. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of got like sticker shot because I hadn't seen in a while. I wasn't surprised because I hadn't changed, you know, but it just was, I hadn't seen in a while. And so I, um, and I think I was kind of, to be honest, like because of wellness culture and because of diet culture and because I'll probably always struggle a little bit, I saw that number and I compared it to like, the way that I'm living mm-hmm. and like the way that I'm living now at 40 in a recovered body mm-hmm. is so much better and so much healthier because I'm moving four to five days a week. I am eating, I don't want to say cleaner, but like, I just don't eat the way I used to eat. I just eat like better for my body. I, I eat things that don't make my stomach hurt. You know, like mm-hmm. I just, mm-hmm. I'm just taking care of myself and nourishing myself. And so I don't see the scale is actually higher than it was when I was eating, you know, things that hurt my body and when I wasn't moving as much. And so there was a little bit of like letdown. And then, you know, it was the perfect storm, honestly, because like then the very next day I opened up Instagram and I like hated this because I was following this woman that's a hairstylist. And so I have short hair. So I was following her for her amazing haircuts that she does. So I was blindsided when she posted a picture of her 30 day Mm. body. Mm. And so, you know, like even when sometimes like on Instagram or wherever, when you're not looking for it, sometimes people will like buy into that culture and they'll use their accounts and not be on brand. And so you'll get just bombarded. And so she showed a picture of herself before 30 days and then a picture of herself after. She looked damn good. I'm not even gonna lie. I mean, she looked really good. But what it was that really triggered me was the fact that she was talking about her clavicle bone. And if you notice, I just said to you about Mm -hmm. my clavicle. And I saw and I the whole day, I literally, like, was looking at TV, looking at people trying to look for their clavicle, looking at my like trying to find mine in the mirror. And I was just like, oh my God. And so I started bargaining with myself. And, and I'm sure you've talked to people about this where you see something, you're triggered, you start bargaining with yourself, even when you're in recovery, like, okay, I can do that. I can do no meat, no dairy, no bread, no sugar for 30 days. I mean, it's just 30 days. Mm. And that's the eating disorder talking to me, right? It's not the healthy Akia. 
it's the disorder talking and telling me like Ed is telling me like yeah you can do this like you can do that like you can handle it well I had to tap out of that part of me and go into recovery brain and say no I can't first of all I don't even like enough vegetables to do that so no way. <laughs> like, I can't even. I would be pretty bored eating broccoli every because that's like really broccoli and collard greens are like the only things that I really like. So I'm like <laughs> that would be boring. Um, but you know, needless to say, it you know, it was hard. It was hard yeah. to see that just last week because I'm only two years in. Mm-hmm. I, I think that Sorry. what you're talking, like, it's such a poignant thing to think about. So you have like, there's one specific region of your body, Ikea, that like brings you back to a much younger version of you. And then you see this person talk about 30 days of whatever the heck they were doing. Um, and what you won't see is, you know, 30, 60, 90 days from now when her body looks like mm-hmm. her body did. Um, it like there mm-hmm. won't be another post that's like oh so the, like those 30 days that I did that my body like homeostasis has returned and because I yes. like being alive I'm going to put you back in the body that you were meant to be in um but we we don't ever see those posts we don't ever have the yeah. follow up that's like yeah and so I did that and hopefully she can do that thing and it doesn't mean that she spends the rest of her life chasing after mm-hmm. a, a clavicle um which which is yeah. just you know good fortune and good timing because particularly now right with everyone having access to comparison all the time in their telephones um yeah. I can't imagine what it's like for you guys to be raising kids right now in, in the era of technology. This is not the way we came onto the planet. Um, like yeah. nobody cared. Like you went to reunions and saw people that you hadn't seen in 10 years. You're like, oh yeah, you still look like you. Wow. Um, but, but Akia, like your friend isn't going to post her like, well, shit, that wasn't sustainable. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, instead, I, well, no, 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 you're, you're totally fine. Well, that's what I was going to say, like, that was, I think, the part that talked myself off of the ledge. Oh, so because that was like, I was really like close, right, to taking the plunge back into my eating disorder. Wow. Um, and for some reason, I wanted to talk myself into thinking that I was balanced enough to be able to handle it without going back into restriction again what a beautiful um, testament to the work that you have done yes, yes. <laughs> absolutely yeah, thank you I mean it feels good now but I tell you what like I felt so bad last week because I was so triggered and I tell you like that was what talked me off the jumping off the cliff because I thought about what you just said how 30 days from now, unless she decides to live a life without those things, she's not going to be able to sustain, to sustain the weight loss. And I, what I've learned with my nutritionist is that I've been weight suppressed mm-hmm. my entire life because I've been restricting my mm-hmm. entire life. Mm-hmm. So every single time you diet, I guess, my, and my therapist told me this too, like every single time you diet 
and you gain more weight back um, because you just, you don't even have to eat more than you were. You just eat, go back to eating <laughs> normally and your set point keeps going up. It just like, and then you're, before you know it, you're like, why am I heavier? But I look the same. Mm-hmm. And so she was trying to explain it to me because I have a hard time not knowing why. Mm. Um, and so she was trying to make sense of it for me, but yeah, that you had a good point. And that's, that's, I was just going to say to you, that's what talked me off the ledge is the fact that that's not sustainable and she will be back where she was. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, you have a good team is all I can say. And even if this, and this is the part about diets and diet culture that they don't talk about, like if 98% of people who engage in diet practices are quote unsuccessful after two years, um, or even before then, what we know is that your body can't differentiate like a famine, having survived a period of inadequate food from volitional, Hey, I'm going to take out like all of these delicious things and eat in this one particular way, a body's like your metabolism, our metabolisms don't understand the why behind why am I not getting enough food? And it doesn't actually matter why, because what will happen automatically for the sake of survival of the species is our metabolisms slow down and say, I don't know why I'm not getting enough fuel, but I'm just going to like hang out in a little bit more of a dormant space because I don't trust that this body is being taken care of. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. Yep. You know, and Akia, you had posted something about the subtle forms of fat shaming and mm-hmm. there are many forms of fat shaming, whether it's spoken, written, or nonverbal. And I think posts that we may see not, and I'm not necessarily talking about her posts, but these Instagram models or Instagram posts, it's, it's a form of fat shaming because you see these women on there and they're like, you know, at the beach or outdoors or whatever, and they're posing in their bikini tops or whatever it is that they pose in. And it's, in a, in a way, I feel like it's throwing darts at people. And yeah, I get well, that you want to show your body and you want to show your beauty, but go ahead. I'm sorry. But uh. no, but beyond that, like, you know, do what you do, wear what you want to wear at the beach. But the thing that really yeah. stuck out to me about this uh, fat shaming was that if you see a woman who's person, um, it doesn't matter what sex they are, a person whose body doesn't conform to what we conventionally think is like, bathing suit ready oh my god she's so brave for wearing that bikini mm-hmm. and her yes. stomach hanging out yes. like yeah <laughs> that's true yeah oh, i god. love yeah. this i am obsessed with you <laughs> yeah, yes oh i mean trust me the feelings are mutual i've like been stalking you for a while because like you were one of the accounts that I started to follow when I was like really beginning my recovery. Um, And it was like my part of like my media kind of detox, you know? So like, there are some people that I've had to like mute, unfollow, um, just so that I could have some kind of, you know, sanity um, Mm. on my my journey. But my therapist actually um, for homework, 
has me starting the book, um, Your Body is oh. Yay. oh, yes. Yay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she asked me if I had ever read it. And I was just like, no, but I've heard of it. So I'm waiting for it to come in the mail. But yeah, I'm supposed to start that soon. Also, I just want to like shameless plug. So Don and I are mentioned, well, not us, but um, Myelin and Melanin is mentioned in um, her second edition of the book. So yeah. 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 Um, so, and I yeah. don't know if you guys remember, but the last time I was here, we talked with Sonia Renee Taylor. Yes. Yes. And, um, and I, I died. Right. I died happily. <laughs> happily. Happily, I died that day. <laughs> this has been such a great conversation. I mean, your story, Akia, is riveting, number one, um, and eye-opening for us, for all of us. And Anna, your wisdom is is always like, I don't know, I have no words for you. Just You're just another remarkable individual that we love so much. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Well, th thanks. I feel enriched by having this conversation. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I do too, actually. Thank you guys for like listening so intently and, you know, Anna, for you just encouraging me. Um, you don't even know, like when I see your posts and things, like it really just affirms and encourages and, um, you know, I basically, you know, in the whole social media world, when you try to create something positive in that space, you need all the encouragement really that you can get. So I can only imagine I'm struggling with disorder that you can't see. You guys have your stuff going on health wise that, you know, we all have our, our stuff that we're dealing with. And I just am so encouraged by um, you all. So thank you. Thank you, Akia. Thank you. Yeah. Where can people find you, Akia? Um, well, I'm on Instagram a lot at Akia Red. Um, you can also go to um, my website, akiared.com, and you can subscribe to the newsletter. I don't bombard people with tons of mail, nor do I sell information. Um, but I do like to often, you know, just write little notes to my subscribers every now and then. So. Yeah, Instagram, website, I'm around. And buy her books too. <laughs> They're on Amazon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for the plug. I appreciate that. I was like, um, be free, be you, and authentic you is the um, the version that I um, wrote for the younger girls. And I talk a lot in that book about my experiences, anxiety, depression, and um, atypical anorexia. Yes, thank you. I hate that diagnosis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Atypical. I know. Right. Atypical. Right. Atypical, right. which is more typical, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a dumb, fat phobic yeah. diagnosis, yes. but another day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Another day. <laughs> and Anna, where can folks find you? Dietitian Anna on Instagram. And one day I actually will make some programs. So I don't make any money on Instagram, but I think. I have to find a way to make that happen because it is like a big part of my life yeah. and I would like to be able to monetize. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So much wisdom that people can benefit from both of you. Yes. And the world is is Thank better you. for it. Uh likewise. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. Guys. Thanks, ladies. Appreciate you.
Thanks for tuning in to the Myelin and Melanin podcast. You can find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Myelin Melanin. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.